Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A buyer's advocate represents the buyer in the property transaction. A vendor has a real estate agent and a buyer should have a buyer's advocate. Before we get into today's episode, John, I want to shout out to Sunsuper, our show partner. You know, John, Sunsuper takes responsible investing very seriously. And that's great. And it's fantastic, isn't it? So, they've got a practical approach to ESG investing. And that's ESG when we talk about ethical investing. It's environmental, it's social, and it's governance. So, for example, governance if it's a business that we started yesterday, yeah. probably wouldn't hit the governance thing because we don't have a certified framework. Would it hit the environmental? Yes. yes. Yeah, we, we would use recycled coffee cups and <laughs> not use plastic straws and stuff. But yeah. So Sunsuper's ethical investment option, it's called the socially conscious balance option and it's actually certified by the Responsible Investors Association of Australia. So they've had a third-party look into the fund under the hood of the investment option. So they basically screen the investment universe in that fund for companies that stack up to the ESG standards that they've got. I'll give you an example, John. So if you invest, and full disclosure, I've got money in this fund with Sunsuper, uh, they won't invest in companies with exposure to the manufacture of alcohol, armaments, gambling, pornography, tobacco and nuclear power including uranium Mm. so ethically conscious yeah yeah, totally in today's episode glenn and john will be talking with emily wallace after leaving her teaching career to pursue interest in the real estate industry emily realized there is so much information accessible for sellers but very little for buyers she also saw that buyers had little to no representation in property transactions understanding that not every home buyer can afford a personal buyer's agent Emily set out to make it easier to access education and support for a smarter, more informed home purchase. Property is Emily's passion, and she aims to help others experience not only the joy of a home purchase, but the financial security that can go along with it. Welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James. This is... John Pigeon. And we are delighted to have Emily Wallace, founder of The Buying Coach. Welcome, Emily. Thank you very much for having me. So we're going to talk today about the auction bidding, sourcing property, understanding vendor motivations. If you don't know what a vendor is, it's someone who is selling. That's a very simple thing, but sometimes we just don't know. After leaving her teaching career to pursue interest in the real estate industry, Emily realized there is so much more information accessible for sellers, but very little information for buyers. And that's pretty true, isn't it? It is very true. Because I I guess the traditional real estate industry – if I'm being crass, they don't care about buyers. They care more about getting someone to sell their property because they can make money off that, where it's harder to make money off a buyer. I mean, you need buyers to buy a property, but... Well, essentially, the agent plays a role, and the major role they play is geared towards the vendor, isn't it? 
because they want the yeah, best. Yeah, you've just said that dollar. a lot more cleaner than I have. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> Emily, you, you know, you're understanding that not every home buyer can af- afford a buyer's agent. You've set out to make it easier for buyers to access education for an informed home purchase. So talk to us before we just deep dive into the episode. What's the buyer's coach? Good question. So I started out my business as a buyer's advocate and quickly realized that first home buyers needed the most help, but they probably had the least amount to actually spend on a, on a buyer's advocate. So I created an online learning platform, which is the buying coach. It's very affordable and gives them all the information that they need to actually be more educated and, and save themselves a lot of mistakes and potentially a lot of money along the way as well. Totally. So someone can log in, look at all the different modules about buying a property for the first time. Correct. It's a full, complete buying journey. Everything from once you get your pre-approval, you know how much money you have to spend, all the way through until settlement. So it's every step, what to look for at open homes, what questions to ask, what's the section 32, what's the section 27. Every question you could think of mm. is in Great. that the 65 videos total. Wow. And, and did you draw that inspiration from your teaching days? Good question. So... Yes, I think the education pieces come through big time. A bit different to teaching, you know, year fours. Um, But definitely that education piece is what's lacking in the industry and Mm. just being transparent to buyers as well about what to expect. Yeah, great. But also to a point when we're talking about money stuff, if you can't explain the concept to someone in year four or year six, maybe that's an issue anyway Mm. because we need to basically understand money concepts. Yeah, totally. And and I'll... I'll go on record and saying the education system is failing in Australia. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's one component that is letting us down, unfortunately. Totally. Mm. So at the top of the episode, you mentioned the role of a, a buyer's advocate. And I'm from New South Wales and I'd only heard the word buyer's agent. So I guess there's a difference there. So Ooh. a difference is, is in, there? Well, a difference <laughs> as in the word. <laughs> the same role. What would they call it in like Western Australia? A buyer's advocate? Probably. The, yeah. I don't think yeah. it's state specific. I personally chose the word advocate because people were getting confused with real estate agent, buyer's agent. Yeah. So they're exactly the same thing. A buyer's agent, a buyer's advocate is exactly yeah. the same role that you play. But I chose to, to really push for the word advocate to get people in that mindset. I'm advocating for a buyer. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Mm. Emily, what are the most common mistakes that you that you see buyers make in in the current market? We're in a really interesting market across Australia right now, and obviously each state has different things going on. But one thing I'm definitely seeing is people underestimating the market and, and just reading media headlines. Like go out there and actually do some research. What is happening in your pocket? Because there's markets within markets. We we all know this that the, you know the Sydney market, the Melbourne market. There's There's niches within. So I'm seeing people not doing sufficient research. Another common mistake is not getting contracts reviewed before you go and put your hand up at auction. That really freaks me out. Yeah. How someone could do that, I I don't know. Because Melbourne traditionally is a a huge auction um, market, isn't it? Whereas most properties will go to auction more so than any other state in around the country. So yes. it's a pretty important component to understand that auction process and the contract is massive. I just mm. want to go back and camp on that because with the auction thing, when I went to buy my first property, I don't think I I went to the auction. I don't think 
Oh, maybe, maybe I did. I hope you did. Yeah, so because <laughs> it's very important. So just in terms of the practical process, sure. if there's an auction mm-hmm. in six weeks' time, because generally yeah. speaking, you would have some time before the auction. Yeah. So you can go to the agent, the listing agent, and say, give me a copy of the contract. You would then send that contract to your conveyancer or solicitor. Now, I guess the difference in this instance if there's something in that contract that you don't like, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to get them to change that for you if you win, would you? If you haven't had it reviewed and you haven't negotiated terms prior, then yes, you're signing an unconditional contract and it could have something untoward. Yeah, so, so but for example, if there's something that's in that contract for a property that goes up to auction mm-hmm. and I say, I don't want that in the contract, mm-hmm. can I deal with the vendor solicitor and if everyone agrees to change that contract, and obviously I'd, I'd imagine I'd have to pay for it all, if I do win, that's yeah, sound. Before auction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But can, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is that's an investment and part of the auction thing that I have to suffer the cost of if I don't win the property. Correct. It might not always cost you though. So if you get a review done, so some conveyances do charge for reviews, others don't, in that review suggestions will come back. You can speak directly with the agent and the agent will ask the vendor and the vendor solicitor if they're okay with those changes. So it might not necessarily be a cost right. uh, or a huge cost, at, at the very least maybe a couple of hundred dollars, yeah, yeah. Um, which is worth the investment. But yeah, you do need to get that sorted prior to auction, yeah. big time. Because Basically, traditionally with going to, and buying a property without going to auction, I would say, yes, we want to buy that property and within the cooling off period, is that when we look at contracts? You should have them review. I, I always get my contracts reviewed. Yeah, usually you've signed the contract and then there's a cooling off. So once you've signed it, then game over. Right. So mm. it, it, but I can understand back to your point, Emily, as to why people don't because if they're new to the market, it's mm. like, okay, I've just been given this pre approval. There's an auction around the corner on the weekend. I'll go and stick my hand up not knowing the full process because of the lack of education out there. A lot of people don't even know what a conveyancer is. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people are like, what's that? Well, people get confused with conveyancer and surveyor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they sound similar, two very different things. So what would you say a conveyancer does? A conveyancer is purely involved in property uh, contracts, so mainly reviews, but they also prepare Section 32s in Melbourne different in other states, but the documentation that discloses everything about the property ready for it to be um, put forward for sale. So they're very heavily based in property. Mm-hmm. Cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, clearly I'm confused with the, the whole process anyway. Yeah, well, <laughs> the difference being with an auction as opposed to just a private treaty where you go to an open home and put in an offer and, and it's a, a wound out process with no definitive time frame is – that you once the auction starts, that's you should have done all your yeah. research. And so then I, there's I a guess finite. what I want to say is, so if I go to an open home mm-hmm. and go, yeah, put in six hundred fifty grand or whatever the price is, and they go, yeah, we accept. Yeah, I then went to a real estate and I put down like a thousand dollars or something and signed something. Yeah, yeah. What's that thing called? Deposit. <laughs> but it was only <laughs> like a, a holding. Yeah, but it was a refundable or a non-refundable thousand dollars or point after auction or no no i'm talking not auction no private sale yeah okay. i remember going to the real estate agent yeah 
signing a document mm. that, and I had to transfer like a thousand dollars or a point one percent or something. Yeah, that's right. So in a, what's in, like, in the do you case, know the percentage? I mean, it's different in every state, but mm. you, you might put down a point two five percent deposit. Yeah, right. Which I did. Yeah. So that's technically a holding deposit over that property. Right? Exactly. Now, in some states, you can. We're going off track, but you can get gazumped in that period whereby it, until it's cool, uh, the cooling off period's finished, someone can come in over the top and offer you more money. Yes, but... Oh, I, sorry, offer the vendor more yes, money. but I guess what I'm saying, and this is why I'm honing in on this to be very clear, you put an offer in, they go, yes, we accept. You might sign a one-pager at the real estate agent and pay a 0.25%. Yeah. Then... They, the real estate agent then sends the contracts to my lawyer or solicitor's office or conveyancer. Yeah. Then they look at the contracts and they, how, what's the general? The ordering. You, you, I see what you're trying to say. I'm it's about to, the order of sequence. Yes, so, I'm trying so, to lead everyone down the garden path. Yeah. What, you sh- what I personally do and what I recommend doing is getting the contract reviewed prior to putting anything in writing. So actually before you put down that $1,000 being, being accepted, the – Terms should have been negotiated, saying this is my offer and these are my terms. So settlement period, deposit amount, and also anything you want taken out of the contract or changed. And this is what I'm offering price-wise. Then they sign off on it. Maybe I'm over-engineering it a little bit because when I bought my brand new property, there was like a billion things that I wanted the builder to change before because it was already built and not handed over. Uh, I mean – But, yeah, I don't... Yeah, so, yeah, keeping it simple. Look over your contract first, Yeah. then put in your offers, whether it's auction or not, Yeah. and go through it in that order. Correct. Or your pre-approvals already in place. Or you just have this golden rule that my lawyer told me, don't sign anything without me looking at it. And it could be don't sign anything without your conveyancer looking at it. Correct. And if the real estate's putting pressure on you, tell them to get stuffed. Yeah, well, they want more money, which, I mean, let's be honest, they all do. They'll wait. Yeah. You yeah. can wait 24 hours for a contract to be reviewed. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Mm. So that's the most common mistake, having said that. People go to auction. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the most common mistakes. Yes. Another one is obviously for, for home buyers is getting swept up in emotion. So particularly in an auction situation, also in private negotiation, the agent, a classic one-liner that you'll often hear throughout out and about is, if you put $1,000 more and the other person doesn't go forward, then you've bought the property. But if you put $1,000 more and the other person goes over the top of you, you haven't spent a cent. That is honestly like the one-liner for every <laughs> agent. And I'm like, I could literally recite the words. Mm. And that's the agent's job is to draw more money out. And as a buyer, you need to be very non-emotional. Set your limit, set your figure and stick to it. Because there's always a what if one more, what if this, what if that. But that's a really common mistake is people get way too swept up in the emotion of, of the home. And I guess, it, you know, to that point, a reason why you would look to engage someone independent who I'm, you know, emotional about the outcome but not emotional about the price. Mm. Yeah, right. So do you find you get clients, Emily, that come to you having already researched the market, put in offers, got frustrated, three months' time, I'm all over this, Oh, sorry, I'm not all over this, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. but I'm over the process. Yes. Emily, do the work for me. Yes, classic yeah. situation that that happens and it's actually probably my preferred 
clientele, I guess, in that way that they do have some understanding of the market. Yeah. But now they're coming to me for off-market stock. Yeah. And they wanted me to find them something very particular in, a, in an area. They've refined their brief. They know what they want. And they're now looking to an advocate who has agent relationships and can draw out more stock in hidden places. Yeah, cool. So I guess that touches on my question. Like to the average Joe or Joanne or Joette, whatever your name is. is <laughs> Joe jo- someone. Is Joette a word? <laughs> Joel. <laughs> if you have another kid, John, by... A miracle. It would be a miracle. Snip, <laughs> <laughs> snip, Johnny. Go to see a Dr. Little. <laughs> um, Shout out to Dr. Little in Terrigal. Can you, um, can you call your kid Joette? Um, why would somebody use a buyer's advocate? Great question. There's multiple reasons, but I think the number one reason is we are professional who transact property very frequently. And you're coming into the market at a certain point in time, trying to do this a lot of the time for the first time with very limited knowledge about doing it. A lot of things in life, people who outsource, you know, to professionals and get professionals to do things, they understand that they're very good at one thing. You might be an accountant. You're very good at being an accountant. That does not make you very good at buying property. So you outsource to a professional to do the role. Another reason, as I mentioned before, is the off-market stock access. But the biggest thing is actually having someone in your corner advocating for you, doing the auction bidding, doing the negotiation. You can actually remain in that process. The agent might not know who you are. Mm. You know, there's there's this element of mystery, I guess. And you can be very private about it. like Glenn. Correct. Glenn, you definitely need a BA because, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> oh, I just so he doesn't, he doesn't want the media knowing that he's buying so no, multi-million no. dollar. You have fans out your door. Yeah, let's make a scenario up. Yeah, I'm like Emily. I want a house. Mm-hmm. Can you go and act on my behalf mm-hmm. when you're talking to real estate agents? I guess there's that. What's that saying? Like the boy who cried wolf. So if someone's using real estate agents and going to every open home and looking, yeah, they might not be in a position to actually buy. They might just be on this emotional journey. We want to buy a house. And, but if a, if a real estate agent is dealing with a BA, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they know that there's a I'm very serious. freaking high chance that you know, a BA is there, not for fun. Like there's actually... Don't just mess around. Yeah, yeah so yeah. there's that element. Mm-hmm. If you're acting on my behalf, like I don't need to, there's no law that says you have to have anything signed to act on my behalf unless it's auction. Correct. Well, auction power of attorney would be the most logical yeah. because I'm, I'm, I'm bidding with money I don't have, yeah. right? Yeah. And that, that can get scary if you think about it too much. But yeah, power of attorney. But I obviously... Most buyers advocates would have a service agreement yeah. as to what, but yes, there's there's nothing that says you have to sign yeah. to say. So that's really cool. So if mm. and I guess one thing that could be cool as well, you I could engage you as my BA, mm-hmm. and we could both go to an open, or I could go to the open Saturday and you organise to have a look separately, mm. and the agent wouldn't know that you're my BA. Yeah, that that often happens. Yeah. That I'm, often happens. I'm actually doing that with a client in the moment. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Playing a bit of a game, actually. It's great fun. fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which brings me to a, an observation that I've got and I'm interested yeah. to get your thoughts. Yes. Is, do the real estate agents 
think you're a, a friend or a foe? I would say majority of the time a friend yeah. because of the way that I am very transparent with them and in return they're very transparent to me and I value yeah. those relationships. Unfortunately, when it is the case of that mystery, which I have recently had, um, when it sort of comes out the auction process when you, you know, you've won and then, oh, who's coming to sign the documents? Oh, it's this family. Yeah. And they're like, what? Oh, Are we yeah. dealing with two of you? So yeah. um, that can be a little bit, but I mean, they're happy at the outcome. Yeah. So, but I would say majority of the time they are a friend and certainly need to keep them as friends. Yep. Yeah, cool. And I guess that's interesting. Like your job is obviously to source a property, whether on market, off market. And I like the idea, John, because, for example, if Emily's got a network of, or any BA anywhere in Australia, they've got a network of real estate agents on the ground, right? Yes. If I'm a real estate agent, I can then go to, if I've got a lead with someone who wants to sell their house in about six months or whatever, if I'm selling my house, it could be, it actually could get sold without a sign up the front. Mm. It happens a lot. lot. Off-market transactions yeah. are, yeah, and the, and the savvy real estate agents will. They, I mean, agents call me walking out of appraisals being, I just appraised this property. They yeah. don't really want to sell till 2020 or, you know, in the middle of the year, but do you have a buyer? Let's get them through. Mm. Or can you come through and give me some feedback? Yeah, so that right. does happen often. Yeah. yeah. And even furthermore to that point, you can work direct with vendors. Oh, yes. A vendor oh, rings yes. you and says, hey, Emily, I've got, Happens all the, the property time. Oh, yeah, so you could actually skip the agent. Yeah, shout yeah. out to the agents out there. Yeah. But um, I mean, but what point do you, like you obviously, I guess the difference is an, a real estate agent is selling to the open market a lot of the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if someone calls you direct and say, have you got any buyers, you mm. just connect the two. Or even the situation that I've come against is when I've found vendors directly, either through door knocking yep. or Facebook. Yeah. Found so many properties in on Facebook direct with vendors. Now I have advised those sellers that you may want to consider an agent to facilitate this transaction, potentially. Yeah. No, nah, it's sent to a conveyancer. But legally you don't actually need no. an agent. But because I'm so passionate about people being represented, right? Yeah. Morally, I feel if I'm representing the buyer, the vendor should probably have some form of representation. But that can be yeah. their a lawyer or Correct. conveyancer. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a real estate agent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, would you rather pay and real estate agent, shout out. Yeah. <laughs> like, would I rather pay 20 grand to a real estate agent or $1,000 to a conveyancer for an off-market transfer? Correct, yeah. I don't know what I'd probably choose. Probably be conveyancer. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think it all depends on the, on the um, vendor and how mm. competent they think they are on what they think mm. they need for the house or want. Mm. Mm. I wonder if over time, what does the real estate model look like for an agent mm. in 2022 or four or eight or whatever? Mm. Or in 10 years. There's a lot happening in that space in the UK at the minute. Yeah, where it's getting turned on its head a bit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think social media will have a lot to do with how we transact property in the future. And I'm surprised by the number of agents who aren't leveraging it enough. We buy a lot of things through our phones these days. Now, obviously, you need to go and inspect a property. But the way that that we operate in Australia is very pen and paper, not digital in the real estate space. So, I guess, John... If I was selling my home, mm-hmm. I would likely want to use a real estate agent mm-hmm. and pay them a fee because there's a higher chance that I will get a better price for the home because I've got a professional, they've got their finger on the pulse in the market, 
they're just going to go and get it. They want to earn as much as possible, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Okay. Conversely, if I've engaged you, Emily, to buy my property here in Melbourne, you are in the area. You know what a property's worth or what the act- – you've got your finger on the pulse. And if, you know, everyone hates the buyer's range of, you know, it's between 550 and 650 or whatever. Mm. I mean, probably different in different states. Yeah. But there's a higher chance that you're like, look, to be honest, I'm offering this. So you may actually get a better deal for me. Correct. Than if I walked in off the street and did the research myself. Yeah. And I think the the one thing that you touched upon before, Emily, but I think it's a really important one, if not the most important, is the emotion of it all. Totally. Mm. Like you're not caught up in the whole negotiation. Um, the, okay, the vendor wants more. You've got another 5K in you. Well, oh, yeah, I have because I like the look of it. And, <laughs> I mean, this search is over now versus you coming in non-emotional that says, no, this is what it's worth. This is our ceiling. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess conversely, and we'll get onto fee structures and models and all that, but if I've engaged you, if you get a better price than I can get anyway, the fee's probably covered itself. Very, that often happens. It very often happens. Yeah. That the fee and more yeah. is made up within the saving of, of the negotiating. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. yeah, and it's a bit of, it's a bit of an unknown, that one, though, isn't it? Yeah. Like, say, well, what would I have been able to get? Yes. Like, did I know the market enough to get a discount? Yes. Mm. The only time you can truly tell, which has happened to me a few times, is when the bank vow comes in yeah. higher than what you paid for. Yeah. yeah. Which is great. Love mm. that. Yeah, and it is good. A question, like, I want to know, and it's probably because it's a – Every industry has its own little sub-racket in Australia. Yeah. Why can't we put properties online and do eBay-style auctions? Well, there is there is, is there that. Is? Uh, yeah, some some agencies are actually doing that and they've yeah. got some amazing results from it. It's insane. McGrath Estate Agents are, are a big uh, thought leader in that space, particularly in New South Wales and now in Victoria. But there is a platform called Open with a double N yep. negotiation and it's yeah. a bidding platform where you so can yeah, do that. I would, I would yeah. be keen to do that but doing a Dutch auction. Yeah. <laughs> so if anyone doesn't know what a Dutch auction is... So a traditional option auction, you know, John might bid five fifty, I might bid five sixty, Emily might bid five seventy. A Dutch auction is the opposite. Starting at seven hundred thousand, yeah. who puts the next bid in? Okay, seven seven or six sixty. Six eighty, yeah. And then the yeah. next one you go lower and then who <laughs> Yeah. So Yeah. The least preferred in my mind is best offer by tomorrow. Yeah. Like that does my head in. It's it's so yeah. controlled by the vendor. Not funny. Like, okay, well, what is my best offer? Well, they're wanting me to pay more than what I'm probably prepared to pay just in the fear that I'll miss out. At least at an auction, I know. Very transparent. This is what I am going to win the property for. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I hate yeah. that whole process. Mm. Yeah, it's, it was one of the most stressful uh, people, you know, often say that it is the most stressful yeah. transaction. It's the largest transaction you'll probably ever make in your life. Yeah. Um, so it would make sense to invest in some help. I don't know. Working out John and our eyes legal agreements <laughs> were pretty, pretty <laughs> yeah, stressful. stressful big <laughs> yeah. Um, Glenn's car. <laughs> so we touched on auction before. Conceptually, what's one piece of advice for auction bidding for anyone? 
The way you stand at an auction. Really? Yeah. So, as an advocate, now, this doesn't mean this is right. This is just my personal opinion. Where you stand at an auction can really play into, because it is psychology. You, you want the, the people you're bidding against to believe that you will keep going and knock them down and have more money than they ever will, and you will win the auction. I often stand where I can see everybody else. So I actually stand next to the auctioneer to the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. And I look out to the crowd and the auctioneer knows I'm there and they refer to me to the side, but I can actually visually see what else is happening. You see those you know, shows they used to call, I think it was a show called Auction, like mm-hmm. literally Auctions yeah. Australia or something. And people will like hide behind the trees. Who's this mystery yeah. bidder behind the tree? Don't be that person. Be the person who's standing strong at the front, yeah. looking out and bidding very aggressively mm. and very firm with your bid. Yeah, that's my tip for auction bidding. And are you one to jump in first and open and set the tone or go in last? Depending, it's depending on the price bracket and, and who I believe I'm up against. It has worked for me because I've knocked out quite a few, as in by the opening bid being at the top end of the range and people mm. are like, oh, geez, we, have, we don't have a chance now. Yeah, yeah. so if, it's, if, the, if they want to, if the vendor or reserve is 700 or whatever yeah. and you know that your client doesn't want to pay more than 800 I'm just making up numbers yeah. you might go in 770 yeah and that's knocked out probably four bidders who thought they could get the property at 725 yeah, yeah. 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 which yeah. is I think we did another podcast on it didn't we and I gave my example of when we bought our home to live in yeah right? I forget but do you want to refresh yeah. <laughs> so he got emotional same no I didn't no. <laughs> uh, well I did a little bit but um <laughs> Same thing, higher ground, so the, the, it was on a little bit of a slope where the auction was held, so standing up higher, mm-hmm. um, bit of intimidation, yeah. first bid, kept going through, quick with the responses, mm. know what my ceiling was, but yeah. everyone else thought, oh, this guy's going to go forever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, in your own mind, you've still got your ceiling. Very much so, and not let you. Yeah, they're very much a poker face. Don't let them think yeah. that you're getting, oh, we've only got five grand left. I went to a charity <laughs> auction last year. <laughs> what you Dif- buy? Different, different style, got, but I yeah, got, I got some art. <laughs> lucky, lucky you don't drink. <laughs> no, no, I um. So my strategy, so the auctioneer, and you probably can tailor your strategy because you know the auctioneer's on the circuit. Yeah, you might tailor your strategy to how they behave as well. Correct. Yeah. So like the the guy doing the auction, and it was the uh, what was the charity? It was the. Uh, Heart of Hope Cancer Charity, Central Coast, New South Wales. Anyway, the auctioneer. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Was good. <laughs> Shout out. Nothing to do with what we're talking about. But, sorry. Uh, no, <laughs> cool. hey, you're a guest here. <laughs> anyway, so the auctioneer. Does he? I, I would just like put my head up like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. You got to put nod. your paddle it, it up like, now. Yeah, it was like five fifty. I just put my nod up and, and he'd come back to me. And they'd say, raise your paddle, please, sir. Yeah. Give me a spanking. Are there, so- <laughs> <laughs> Are there some auctioneers that give you a bit more intel than others? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. why back to the point about them keeping them as friends. Yeah. Some of them will be very honest with me about what, how they believe it's going to play out. Now, no one really knows till the day. Yeah. But some will, you know, they'll let me know how many contracts have been issued, how many people have ha- done a building and pest inspection prior to auction. And, is, and is that public knowledge? Like could, if I was going for a property with a buyer's age advocate there, mm-hmm. if I went up to the agent, the listing agent said, oh, how many contracts have been handed out? 
they'd be like, oh, we can't tell you. But if you're friendly with the the guys and the gals, because you know them every weekend from every house. Mm. I mean, they're allowed to. Yeah. And most of them, and, and usually you brace it on a ratio of number one, number of contracts issued, halve that, and then that's probably who's going to be interested and then halve that again for who will probably put their hand up on the day. Yeah. Not gospel, but. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Not bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cool. <laughs> so with, let's just touch on the power of attorney. Oh, yeah. So conceptually, I've got, when we've talked about estate planning and life in general, Timmy Cooper, my friend of mine, a friend of mine, shout out Tim Carinha, listeners of the show. He's got full power of attorney on my life. Yes. So, and he can sign anything financial only. It ends for for him. Oh, I don't. I forget. I don't know if it's enduring. I think it is. Yeah. He's got power of attorney on me whether I'm a my mind's a vegetable. Yes. Or today. Mm. Probably about the same state. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> so you have a limited power of attorney. Correct. That says I give – so, Glenn James gives Emily Wallace power of attorney to act on my behalf for this transaction only? Yeah. How does that work? For the, so, it's a financial, yeah. For the purpose of the auction bid with the limit, the address, day and time. Right. Now, do you have to show the – obviously, you can't – do you have to show the agents the power of attorney document because it will have I always limits. let them know. I let them know that I'm bidding. But to be honest with you, if the client is there and they're at the coffee shop down the corner, they come and sign the contract anyway. So, I'm not actually signing under a power of attorney. I'm just bidding yes. under a power of attorney. Um, but if they are a client who is away, then I actually signed. That's when I would show the document to show I do have a power of attorney if we're successful. Yes, if yeah. you're successful. Correct. And, and you would sign the contract? Under a power of attorney, yes. if they're not there, correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you officially don't need a power of attorney just to put your hand up no, and, and win the auction. Yes, but if you're a good mm. BA, like Emily, if you, you want to cover have, yourself, yeah, yeah. then you probably probably should. But I also yeah. have a document that's an authority to bid. Yes, and that that allows me to bid, and it's not a, a, it's uh, not a power of attorney. It's not yeah. binding. It's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a little more risky. Yeah, yeah, cool. So in the same way, like I could I could set up a power of attorney for John. That is for the purpose of refinancing my car loan or something. Yeah. Like it's a limited document. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Sounds strong, doesn't it? Power of attorney. Mm. Mm. So, so the elephant in the room. Before we get to um, – right. don't talk to me that way, John. I'm trying to lose weight over here. <laughs> um, so as That's good. Did you like that? <laughs> I like that one. So <laughs> back off. So. When you, I've lost my train of thought, but whatever, with the whole power of attorney thing, Mm -hmm. the good thing about having you at an auction is you're totally removed emotionally. You've set a limit. Mm -hmm. It's like, I do not want to pay more than this for the property. And then you go in and try and steal that property for less than them. Less than that. I'd love to get it for less. Great. When it lands right on, it's like a... Ooh, that was close. So, if you, you know. <laughs> have you ever gone a few dollars over? No. Just no. Because I'll. I, uh, <laughs> not that funny. Not that funny when you buy a property that no. you're not authorized to buy. Um, I, I have heard of, of people doing that. Yeah. Uh, and the consensus is that you would cover the gap from what you were authorized 
too. If, if it was, you know, someone came back and said, well, we only said you could yeah. bid up to this, you'd cover the gap. And some people have done that for a $1,000 bid. I have heard of that. Would yeah. not recommend. Oh, no. and you could yeah. just take that out of your fee. Or Correct. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. but that's a slippery slope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just be firm with your limit. Set your limit. Don't go past the limit. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Question. What's what are you talking about me over here calling me fat or something? <laughs> no, I wasn't calling you fat. Oh. I was just looking at you and I was uh, about Picking to ask a question. <laughs> yeah, so elephant in the room. There's only one. Um, what up? Yeah, so I suppose the big thing I get is, well, how does a buyer's advocate get paid? The burning right? question. Yes, and and how much is that on in general around the country? Now, obviously, you're in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Speaking in Melbourne terms, mm-hmm. yeah, go for it. Certainly. So in Melbourne or across Australia, the model initially, I believe, came from selling agents, jumping the fence to now be buyer's agents. Right. Now, people would probably be aware that selling agents take a percentage of the sale price, yeah. usually somewhere between 1.5 up to 3%. Yeah. So when you apply the same model to a, a buyer's advocate for a purchase price, let's call it somewhere between 2 to 2.5% of the purchase price. The more money a buyer spends on that model, the more money a, bu- a buyer's agent gets paid. Now, yeah. if the real value add is that we're trying to save you money, personally, I don't believe in the percentage-based model. No, me neither. So a fixed fee is a much better because a lot of the effort is in the time, the sourcing. So a fixed fee model is becoming more common as far as I'm aware. And that fixed fee model is made up of two parts, which is a retainer fee to engage the service uh, and commence the search and a success fee upon successful purchase when the contracts are exchanged. There are definitely people still doing percentage, but... Yeah. So we're basically saying there's two forms of of um, payment structures for buyer's agents or yes. buyer's advocates. Yes. There is a percentage of, of purchase price or there's a flat fee, no more to pay regardless of what I buy the property for. So what would a, generally speaking, just to recap, mm-hmm. if I'm selling a property, I'm a real estate agent, if I charge 1.5% on a 600K property, my fee's nine grand. If what's the average for the, BAs that such a percentage, what would that be? Sorry. Well, so it's on a sliding scale, so it actually sure. would be higher on a six. It'd be more like your two, two point five percent on that so point because it's all relative. But at the end of the day, right, when you have a sliding scale of percentage, you must have some sort of figure in mind that's your ideal figure because you're tweaking it as the purchase price goes up. Yeah. The percentage model goes down, yeah, so you've right. obviously got some sort of ballpark. Yeah. But typically, on a percentage model six hundred thousand, you'd be looking at two point five percent. Yeah. Yeah. Would, a, would a real never, estate agent sell a 600K house 1.5% fee? No, not in many pl- right. cases. Mates okay. rates, I would yeah. say okay. that. Okay, so no. realistically, if it was 2.5% at either end, it's mm-hmm. 15 grand each. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Correct. Yep. Yeah. And that's, yeah. what I, that's what I was getting at before with engaging someone like Emily. All they have to do is get the property for 20 grand less than you could have negotiated yourself and her fee's covered. Yeah, it's a bit like a lacquer band, isn't it? The, mm. the the selling agents trying to What's a lacquer band? A lacquer band is in stretchy band that you elastic band? Yeah, I'll call a, it a, a lacquer a la- band. A lacquer yeah. band. Yeah. I'm not from okay. the bush. <laughs> well, I am, see? Yeah. Yeah. A la- okay. A lacquer. Anyway, move on. Elastic on band. Anyway, we know what an elastic band is. Yeah. 
So the selling agent is is trying to get a higher price. The buyer's advocate is trying to get a lower price. Yes. Right. And usually only one of those wins. Mm. So we either cover our price as a as a buyer or we cover our price as a seller. Yeah. So what type of flat fee would a BA generally charge? You know, if you could speak on behalf of the BAs in the world or Certainly. in Australia, yeah, for a six hundred k property, what's a flat fee? I'd say your minimum sitting at around that anywhere between twelve to fifteen k. Yeah, sweet. Uh, as a fixed fee, yeah. Um, some may be slightly higher than that, uh, but those who are fixed, it should be regardless of the of the purchase price. Yeah. Exactly. Although when you're getting into really high end property, and it's not because the high-end property, you're spending more money, it's actually because there's more scarcity of stock. When someone comes to you and goes, I've got $5 million to spend on a, a mansion in, you know, wherever, uh, yeah. um, it's relative to the time that's involved in that and the sourcing is a lot more work than trying to find a two-bedroom apartment in the CBD. Yeah, totally. So, but again, everything's a negotiation and, you know, I don't expect anyone to work for free. But, no. You know, no. It's the value exchange. Correct. So... Talk to me as an example. I want to engage you and you might have a flat fee of whatever that is. Mm-hmm. You talked about the retainer just to have you because you could go and look for a house and you can't find a place. Like, Is it like, hey, Emily, I want to find a three-bedroom Victorian-style whatever, uh, standalone house, freehold property, whatever. Do you say in your contract, this is my retainer fee? And it lasts for six months or three months as a minimum. Talk to me about the sure. practicalities yeah. of that. So, just one step backwards. The first thing is, I don't take anybody on who I don't think I can fulfill the brief for. Sure. So, if someone has unrealistic expectations and they haven't actually, they don't know much about the market, they don't want their money can buy them. I actually let them go for two to four weeks, do their research, come back to me. So that's the first point. With that profile, are my standard terms and most standard terms are ninety day period for the retainer to last. Now, the wording of my personal contract, and I believe this is quite common, is in that 90 days, you must have an intention to purchase a property. Intention to purchase a property means you bid at auction over the reserve. So once the the auctioneer says the property is now on the market, you've placed a, a bid after that. Or in negotiation, you are placing an offer within the quoted range. So you've had an intention to purchase. Now, if you miss out, I can't guarantee I'm not a walking um, token of luck, unfortunately. I can't oh, guarantee. I, I, I wish I was. Oh, sucks. I can't guarantee. I'm going to give you a better chance, but I can't guarantee you're going to get it. So if you fulfilled that intention to purchase, the retainer, it keeps going until we buy. If you do not fulfill the retainer, uh, the intention to purchase, the retainer is payable for a further 90 days. Right. Sure. And the retai- retainer is usually a, a percentage of... It's about one, one third of the total fee one and third. then two thirds upon success. On the settlement of the property or... Oh, good question. Uh, on exchange of contracts. Exchange. So once the, once the property has both vendor and buyer have signed. Cool. But I'm with them all the way through to settlement, but the yeah. payment is due. Yeah. So you've got to really have, you know, say 12 grand cash in the bank. Yep. And you've just got to factor that into your finances. Correct. Yeah. Is there any buyer's agents out there that can act in the same way as a real estate agent where they borrow that fee through this conveyancer and it's paid on settlement? Certainly. And and I have actually done that for a client yeah. recently who couldn't – and that's fine. Like I'm happy to work with people, but the general consensus is yeah. you were engaged to find a property and buy a property 
you have done so. Yeah, give me and more then, money. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, and because and, and the re- and everyone's thinking, oh, why, 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 why? Well, number one, you might negotiate a six-month delayed settlement. Yeah. You don't mm. want to be waiting around. You've found no. this gem mm. and you've, yep, we can do it. They'll do a six-month return settlement. Yeah. Give them my money. There you go. God bless you. Mm. And we mm. all move on. So. Yeah. 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 Good. So, Emily, you're based in Melbourne. You operate your business in Melbourne. You're a buyer's advocate in Melbourne. Um, Melbourne's a big, big city. Oh, yeah. Soon to be the largest in Australia. Correct. Do you cover the whole gamut of Melbourne or is it eastern suburbs, southeastern? What do you... So, personally, if people come to me and want Emily Wallace, I cover the inner ring of the CBD at the Bayside and southeast suburbs. They're areas that I know like the back of my hand. Sure. When someone comes to me and they're very adamant they would like my service, but they're in the west, northeast... I actually partner with other advocates because we're quite a small community at the moment. I remain client-facing, but I utilise the people on the ground in those areas to source the properties. Right. But I'll still do the auction bidding. I'll still do negotiation. Yeah, okay. Split the fee or something. Split the fee. It doesn't mm. cost the buyer any more sure. than my Good standard. Good idea. Yeah. Mm. But I, am, I want to build out a team. Nice, yeah. A nice big team to cover all of Victoria. But for now, yeah. we, we utilise people in those spaces. Cool. Yeah. And for you, and if I can just bring, like, so if you are listening, you are in Melbourne and you do want to buy and you think Emily's cool and whatever, uh, you can reach out to her. But, like, what do you, what, wh- who are your average clients that you're working with at the moment and looking to do so this year? Sure. It's very diverse. And the bottom line of, I'm not geared towards a particular price point, back to the point of being fixed fee, and I'm not geared towards a particular type of property i want to work with clients who get it and they understand the value of my service so i have a first home buyer looking to buy a three-bedroom apartment in carnegie i have a young family who are looking to buy a family home at you know 1.7 mil in the east it's very diverse my lowest purchase price has been three hundred thousand for a one-bedroom apartment and my highest has been uh, 2.5 mil for a, a five-bedroom family home. Cool. So they're very diverse, but they're people who are typically time poor, really can't find anything, mm. and they need a helping hand, and they, they really see value in having a professional. But yeah, the cool. time poor thing for a 300K property, you could be getting up to 35 4% for a flat fee. So it would just have to be, it's strategic, it's an investment. I know that we can yeah, get that you, back in growth, or I, I don't know, like it's... That, yeah, that particular person had no point. hours in the day. To, honestly, they worked like seven days a week. That was a very much an outsourcing um, yeah. cost to them. Mm. My average purchase, my average clientele would be around eight fifty to a mil. Young couple, probably their first home, relatively good incomes, professionals, professionals incomes or whatever. Yeah, yeah in yeah. the inner ring of the CBD. Mm. Have you ever had to say to someone, "Hang on a minute, massive oversupply in this suburb. You want that stock?" Just have a look at it before you jump in? Or? If, if I get the sense that someone's a bit of a know-it-all, of they've, they've seen, oh, we've seen this and we've seen that and that, I, they don't really need me. They might just engage me just to bid at auction. And yeah. I do do that. I just bid at auction. Yeah. But, yeah, if if they're uh, over-educated, yeah. then I sort of go, I don't know what value I can really add if you're in with all the agents. And that's, you know, a very honest yeah. Comment, I guess, because I could take them on. I um, mean, if they're undereducated, I'd try and get them to go out a little bit and understand, yeah. at least attend two auctions and, and get a feel for it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay, we talked before about your online course. So 
that can be watched by anyone in Australia. Correct. So, what is the cost of that? It's $595. Sweet. So, that could be a good entry point if you are looking to get into the home market for the first time or the investment property market for the first time. We'll put a link in the show notes and click through and and do the course. I mean, it, it should pay for itself. Like that's the amount of value in there. It'd mm. be crazy, wouldn't it? Yeah. Do, do you see the course as I get to the end of the course and I no longer need Emily or I need her more than ever now? People will go one or two ways, I yeah. guess, in that. The the course is designed to be self-sufficient. Yeah. And in within the course, the package is that you actually do get a half an hour strategy session as well as once you've gone through the course and you're searching for properties, yeah. you submit two property addresses for review and you actually have another hour with an advocate. Yeah, so cool. you really shouldn't need, unless you want them to auction bid, which some yeah. people have done, you shouldn't need any more. Yeah, so you're outsourcing yourself basically. Correct. Yeah, yeah. which is great, which is similar to... To the, the online academy that it's called. I've created, yeah, that thing. Yeah. Shout out to John's online academy. I, it's just a great time to be alive because they're these platforms that we can learn so much information so yeah. much. at a really cheap yeah. entry point. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. And just it's just a total win-win for everyone. Yeah, 100%. I agree. All right. Community highlights brought to you by... Your brand here. That's right. You can sponsor this section, people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Community highlights. Uh, Walter, he sent in a, a thing. This is really cool. I'm going to read this to you because it's awesome. Hey, Glenn and John. Long-time listener, first-time caller from the Gold Coast. We have a 34K car loan, $210 per week, and currently in a mortgage for one year, 550 a week. By using your spending plan, Glenn, after all expenses, blow allocation is accounted for, get this, this is crazy, we have around $500 a week of spare change. 500 a week? Yeah. That's and amazing. And this is why I crap on all the time. The best way to get a pay rise is to do a spending plan, is to do a budget because I guarantee you are not managing your money correctly if you're living week to week and you feel like you've got no money. It's simple as that. So Walter and his wife... Have, and I'll mention her name soon, uh, have basically found $500 a week that they didn't know they had. What a nice find. Love it. That's good. If you could also do a shout out to my amazing wife, Tegan, that would be just dandy. Love the show. How's Tegan? What up, Tegan? Yeah. What's up? Thanks for listening, Tegan. Love thank you, Walter. Work. Thank That's you, Walter. Impressive. And thank you, Tegan from the Gold Coast. Emily Wallace, thank you so much. Where can we find you online? Uh, most active on Instagram. Emily Wallace, BA, and The Buying Coach, or LinkedIn. Sweet. Emily cool. Wallace. Love it. Thank and you, thank Emily. Thank you so much for your time. Been great. And Pleasure. Love it. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. You asked for it. I didn't want to do it, but you asked for it. You kept saying week after week, Asher, you got to tell the people. And I said, okay, fine. Give me that 10 grand pay rise and I'll do it. So thanks to Glenn for the 10K pay rise. And here we go. The most auspicious, the most highly regarded award in Australian podcast history. It's going to be happening every single week. It is the My Millennial Money Community Member of the Week. This week's Community Member of the Week is Isaac Lizett. He's in Melbourne, same town as Emily here on today's episode. He's a full-time student and part-time retail manager and casual disability support worker. So lots of stuff going on there, building his life. Love it. 
his goal is saving for a house, which is a, a great goal. And particularly Melbourne, I don't think is that crazy in terms of house prices compared to like Sydney. So uh, I think you'll smash that and hope this episode's helped you. The silliest financial mistake he's ever made was getting a credit card at 18 and racking up about three to five grand in debt. So good on you, Isaac. Thanks for being part of the M3 community. Thanks for listening. If you're after personal financial advice, this podcast is not for you. But if you do want a financial advisor or mortgage broker to talk with about your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'll put you in touch with one of our trusted professionals. If you're looking for a super fund that puts its members' interests above all else, choose a super performer, Sun Super. With low fees, strong investment returns, and great member services, Sun Super is Super Ratings 2020 Fund of the Year and has also been awarded by Money Magazine, CanStar, and Finder. Find out more about Sun Super at sunsuper.com.au forward slash choose. You can join Sun Super online in under five minutes. Many people do not realize that slavery still exists in the world today. That's why My Millennial Money supports A21. We want to highlight A21 as they work to abolish slavery and human trafficking all across the world. If you want to support A21, visit a21.org.au for more information. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a high chance you have disposable income. Glenn has a mandate to get everyone giving, saving and spending in that order. Now, we want to encourage you to be generous with your money, but choosing an effective charity can be difficult. An amazing resource you can use is thelifeyoucansave.org.au. You can donate to them and they'll distribute your donation to a variety of life-saving and life-changing charities around the world with a focus on eliminating extreme poverty. For more information, visit thelifeyoucansave.org.au. Thanks to Jess Knaus, executive producer, Chris Burke, sound engineer, Laura from La La Social Club, and me, Asha. Uh, anyway, make sure you stay connected via our Instagram, our free Facebook group, or if you want to turn it up a notch and be on the inside of the show, become a member of M3 Private. For further information about what's going on, check out the links in the show notes. Question, John. Yes, Glenn. Question, Emily. Yes. So I was walking the other day and I saw somebody walking their dog. Right. They had one of those doggy leashes that are retractable. <laughs> do you own one of those, John? I don't. I what, do what are your thoughts not. on them? I don't like them. Why? Because I'm not sure how long they're going to retract for. <laughs> so, Emily, if you had a dog, would you be a, well, a fixed-length leash gal or a retractable? Well, I actually have personal experience of this. When my mum got her dog, we had the retractable one. Yeah. But the clip that you press down, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I could never flick it back in time. The right. dog would go flying. I think they're good for small dogs only. I think yeah. they're a small dog use. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I'm probably of the view if I was going to have a dog, a small dog, I like the I like the retractable thing. Yeah, well there's a good chance that neither of those will happen. <laughs> 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 I mean, I just see these people and they you know, they just they you know, you might be walking along and it's like, oh, I'll give you a bit of bit yeah. more length. Life seems so simple to them, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's like this person's loving life. Yeah. They've just got a dog on a leash. Yeah. It can be this long, that long. The dog has so much power. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, I don't think I could ever go back to a fixed... I mean, if you were a doggy person, would you have both in your artillery? 
You oh, probably would. You would wouldn't like you? to, yeah. 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 Do you reckon they'd have a fixed loan or variable? <laughs> Interesting. I mean, Bit of both, maybe. Well, you those who live by the sword die by the sword. So if True. you want to have one standard in your life, yeah. you should apply it across all, all of them. All things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What's your dog's name again? Max. Harry. <laughs> 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 No, Max no. would be my eldest son. <laughs> Shout yes. out, Max. Shout out to him. Harry, if he's right. Good memory. The, the only reason I Harry. said that is because it's got a human name. I was going to yes. say, they're both human names. I have a brother called Harry. Do you? Yeah. 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 Right. It's a cool yeah. name, whichever cool way name. you look at it. Yeah, for so, a dog or a human. Mm. Yeah. I, I want a, I'm not, I'm probably not an animal person, but I want a, um, a cat, <laughs> a British, is it a British? British short hand. Yeah. Called Marguerite. Are you gonna put it in your handbag oh. and walk to the cat? Yeah. I want. I, I want, and she's gonna be a bitch of a thing. Yeah. Hey, Marguerite. Do you, do you want to look after Harry while we go no. away? <laughs> go on, I'll pay you. What type is it again? I oh, know it's way too big. <laughs> Not <laughs> so big dogs. I want to get a cavoodle. It's a groodle. Oh, it's a groodle. Mm. Oh, that's what my mum's yeah, dog but, is. Yeah, it's okay. an extra large one. Oh, it's I don't mind the extra large one. Just nah, large. Miley. My 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 mum got Miley when I left home. Spelt. M I L E Y. Okay. My name is E M I L Y. So the same letters rearranged. Oh, wow. Literally got replaced by the dog. Loves you. Literally. Wow. Yeah. Was that strategic on her behalf? Or she just says it's not, but I'm pretty confident. Su- subconsciously, yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, I don't, I don't well, maybe that. take this offline then, Glenn. No, no. It doesn't need to go. If you stay online for the record, it's a no. Damn. If you lived barking. in Melbourne, like, I'd We had a coffee it. once and it was just barking the whole time. Oh. It was not. I'm like, you need to get so water can spray and you spray their noses dog. to I stop give them barking. Full anxiety, right? Why don't you take <laughs> it away with you? You so you exaggerate everything. No, I Put don't. it on the jet pets. Jet you pets. Could, yeah, jet it down. Why don't you fly it down to Victoria? No chance. All right. Okay. Bye. See ya. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.